Allow me to reintroduce myself. Now tuned into the greatest. Supreme on the track. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Supreme Decisions Legal Minute Podcast. And this is your host, Supreme Decisions. Now, today I want to talk to you about something that's on the note of a little bit of a more serious matter. And the reason being is because I myself, I'm a parent. And I look at the different things that are going on in, I guess, this day and age or in this culture. And then I think about the things that I actually have to offer and what it is I can offer you in this. Because today I want to talk about the dangers of social media to our children and where the Supreme Court stands on this. So if you need a few seconds, I'm going to give it to you. Because I hope you enjoyed our sponsors before the video or for this case, the podcast began. Because tonight I'm actually going to give you something that may stick to your ribs a little bit because, hell, because of the subject matter itself. And it's going to come from Packingham v. North Carolina. And it's a First Amendment freedom of speech public form doctrine case and for those who don't know exactly the context of each it deals a lot with pretty much social media and the access that others have to our children because of it i'm gonna give you a few numbers that you know you can actually sit down and go over you can look up and see how close I am or what studies have been done on it and this podcast today may not run an hour you know but it's something that definitely needs to be heard it's definitely something that needs to be researched it's also something that needs to be kind of brought close guarded and what I mean by that is the fact that I have teenage children, but I also have younger children. And one of the things that scares me the most is some of the stuff that I see on social media, let alone some of the stuff I hear about on social media and some of the results that come from social media because most people have taken that as a place of reality where, in fact, it's not in all cases. Because even myself, whenever you're looking at my YouTube videos... You're seeing things that are there, but technically not because what I'm giving you is what I want you to see. I don't give you all of my rants. I don't give you all of the angry black guy moments. I don't give you that. I give you what need what you need to have for the most part and the substance that needs to be there. So I hope you got everything that you needed. hope you got your drink and popcorn next to you because it's time to go to work. Now, today, when we're talking about the dangers of social media to our children, I'm going to start off with Southeastern Promotions Limited versus Conrad. And it was a Supreme Court case, which 420 U.S., 546, in 1975. So when you're dealing with these and you're looking at these cases, they're not new cases. So most of the stuff that we deal with are, are held, for the most part, predating the Internet. But it kind of correlates, which is why I give you a lot of cases the way I do. Because every situation does not fall under the exact same context. So you have this 1975 case, and we're also talking about social media. So just keep that in mind. Most of us weren't introduced to the Internet to hell. What? the mid-90s or a little later. So just understand the correlation between the cases. But Southeastern Promotions Limited versus Conrad, basically it spoke about the medium of expression as assessed for First Amendment purposes by the standards suited to it for each may present its own issues. Now, if you remember, I'm pretty sure it's over a year ago now, I did a video regarding the Open Government Act, which is a part of the Freedom of Information Act. 
and it explained what I guess justifies as media. And when you're talking about media, as anybody that has an audience, technically, I fall under the category of media because not only do I give you something in print, which is, you know, blogs or whatever, but I also give you something with video. I have an audience of more than two. I have things that you guys actually subscribe to. I have things that you guys actually pay for and promote. These are the things that count as media. But when you're talking as social media, it's pretty much the gathering place for all of this content. So just keep that in mind as we're moving forward because that's the purpose of Southeastern Promotions Limited v. Conrad. Because as I get deeper into Packingham v. North Carolina, you're going to see how that statement or that case comes deeper into play because when you talk about Reno v uh, <laughs> Reno v ACLU special justifications for regulations of broadcast media did not apply to the vast democratic forms of the internet and the reason we go into that is again we're talking about platforms of media and when you're talking about the internet, that is now a gathering place. Because in Packingham v. North Carolina, it upheld or it held that an unconstitutional state statute prohibiting registered sex offenders from accessing commercial social networking websites that permitted use by minors. This is where I talk about the dangers of social media to our children. Because while it talked in this case about Packingham v. North Carolina, it also dove into something where a lot of us kind of miss, and that's the selective incorporation doctrine. Because it falls under the supremacy clause of the United States of America. Now, understanding just that little context, that little verbiage that's right there, while we're talking about things that are dealt in pedophilia, it's the pedophilia that is being accessed through forms such as Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, and various other health platforms where our children are. While there are many adults there, because we also are the ones that introduce social media to our children because a lot of times we're the first ones to promote something with our child. And even in these constructs, most of us have no recollection or pay no attention because that's not my mindset. Pretty sure that's not your mindset. But again, that's not everyone's mindset. And that's what social media does. It allows people that are of the like mindset to go out and scavenge. They go out and find folks that agree with them, disagree with them. They're allowed to voice their opinion and give their ideals no matter whether we want them or we don't want them. Because a lot of times what we're not doing is placing our stuff in things or in a means of being private. And selecting the people that we're allowed to see what we're posting or even what we're bringing into our, you know, vicinity. Technically, it's like, it's like, who are you inviting to your house? That's what social media is. Because you're not going to allow just any old rando to walk into your house. Why are you leaving your profiles public if it's not done for business? Why are you leaving profile public if you're dealing with your children online? You're allowing strangers to walk into your house. And that's what Packingham v. North Carolina was. It was literally a group of sex offenders. For whatever reason, they were banned from Facebook. And the context of it was, can you ban one section because of something? Or is it unconstitutional? But this was done at a state level. 
And the Supreme Court said no because just because you're wording it a certain way, it does not restrict that actual people that you're trying to restrict it from. So it becomes unconstitutional because it is public. And I'm going to go into the ideals of it because they actually sat down and used the public forum doctrine, which was the framing the internet as a public space. Why? Because everyone has access to it by one means or another. And one of the things that was not addressed in this case was the account for the hybrid public and private nature of these digital realms. Because like I said, most of us, because I'm guilty of it as well, I actually had a page where I just let any old rando into my house because I left it on public. I later changed it to private. And then I set up a business page. The business page is public. My actual page where I'm, that means something to me, that's private. Because everybody can't come to my house. And I notice, one, I don't have my children on my page. Because, you know, there's too many people around me to have my children on my page. But I also have trolls. I also look at the fact that because of the way I shoot videos, the way and the manner in which I carry on my day-to-day, I talk about things that are personal to me in my life, I've actually had people that would literally sit in places that I would probably show up at to have a conversation with me. While at this point, nobody has done anything to try to harm me, but who's saying that that's not a possibility because of my social media postings. I want you to think about that because I'm actually going to go into stories later that depict that exact same situation because it's things that we're doing unconsciously. Why? Because just because we're not thinking on that level, that does not mean everybody else isn't. So again, going back through them for those that didn't get it, it's Packingham v. North Carolina. And Reno v. ACLU and Southeastern Promotions LTD v. Conrad. Now, this is just the setup to what we're going to be talking about. Because even social media itself can be pretty much the sharing of ideas, information, personal messages, and other content such as videos podcasts and vlogs these are things that you can actually i actually said vlogs but i meant blogs where you're actually typing putting your stories up and doing things of that nature and even in the the space of the public forum doctrine i'm going to give you another case which perry education association versus perry education association is 460 us 37 1983 and this pretty much set up the public forum doctrine because the Supreme Court divided forums into three types traditional public forums which are you know parks pools libraries any place that you would actually gather even restaurants fall under traditional public forum designated forums are places where you're going and you talk about the voting restrictions. Even they have areas in a lot of places that are your um, First Amendment areas because a lot of times you have people that are shouting on the sidewalks or shouting from wherever because they want to force their opinion on you. But there are designated areas for that. And then you have your non-public forms. The problem is uh, many of our social media forms are not non-public forms because we're blasting it out to the world And we're saying, you know what? Everybody can see it. Now, do I recommend that everybody not see everything that you're doing? Depends on what you're doing. It's up to you because it's your choice. That's the one thing that you actually can do. And it's up to you. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. If you want to do it, do it. So, but the main thing is understanding every time you're posting, you're also posting information 
about your whereabouts. You also hear about things such as geotagging. You also give out a lot of information when you're signing up for Facebook, such as your city, your location, what high school you went to. Many of us give out our real name and our first and last name, which allow people to look that up. And the more information you're putting in, or in this case, putting out, the more information others have to search and verify who you are or who you are not. And even in the site, basically they gave a four-part setup of what a social media network is. Because when we're talking about these things, it's while the basics is Facebook, we know that's social media. Instagram, we know that's social media. But when we have other um, platforms, is that really social media? Because I can tell you right now, I'm probably on about nine or ten. And at the end of the day, because even Reddit is considered social media, but here's the definition of social media that is given by the Supreme Court, and it's a four-part section, just like the public form doctrine is a three-part section. Now, the first thing, it will be the site is operated by a person who derives revenue from membership fees, advertising, or other sources related to the operations of the website. Now, many of you understand that because I talked about um, YouTube. YouTube is operated by views and advertising. So, yes, that will be considered social media. You can always have comments. Those comments can be replied to. So, it also has part two. Facilitates the social introduction between two or more persons for the purpose of friendship, meeting other persons, or information exchanges. Now, generally what I'm doing via podcasts and also videos is exchanging information. Because that's what I'm giving you. I'm giving you something that I have that's pretty much not mine. But I think you should have it. Because all of these are standards to which... I feel you need, but I'm doing it through social constructs. Now, three, it allows other users to create websites or personal pages that include information like a username or nickname, photographs posted by a user, and accessible links to the personal profile of a user's friends or associates on the same site. Now, again, I can do something simple as YouTube because Whenever you have a comment, you subscribe. I can click on your name. I can go to your page. Let's say you don't have any pictures. Cool. Maybe you just want to comment. Because a lot of times I run into that. People just want to comment. They want to enjoy the video. And hell, they just want to be there. You know, it might have been something that they set up, you know, 10 years ago when Google first started giving out free emails. Yeah, sign up for Gmail. Yeah, sign up. Google. Boom. There it is. And you just never thought about setting up your page. It's still there. It doesn't mean that it's not there. But again, now we're friends or associates. And I can click on your same page. And we can also go through, hell, if you want to, you can post a video. You can post a picture. Or you could not post anything. But at the end of the day, it's something that actually constitutes YouTube as a social media platform. And last... It provides users or visitors mechanisms to communicate with other users. That's the exact same thing that we just talked about in step three. Because anybody that, once you comment, they can click on your name. They can click on your picture. It's probably going to be your nickname. So under your nickname, they can click on that. They can go to your page. They can have conversations with you or not have conversations with you. But it's their choice. But if you also remember, I did a video. Uh, I believe it was about a week ago now because I've been kind of slacking. But the torturous interference with commercial expectancy video. And I spoke about these exact constructs. But I was speaking about going after trolls and how we are paid and why you have yet to see it in the Supreme Court. And at the end of the day, it's understanding what it is that we're doing. And now I'm going to get back to the exact same reason 
why I spoke about the Selective Incorporation Doctrine and also going to talk about the context of the prohibition of anything that's done on the state level that's not constitutional. And basically, the reason the statute that was written in North Carolina, it was a prohibitive, it was a prohibition unprecedented in the scope of the First Amendment speech it burdens. That is what invalidated it. It did not have a singular spectrum that actually either prevented everyone or allowed everyone. It has to do for everyone. Because again, I'm going to go deeper into that as we go along. But all persons have access to places where they can speak and listen and then after reflection speak and listen once more. So when we're talking about that to protect the right to speak in a spatial context, the basic rule that a street or a park is a quintessential form for the exercise of First Amendment rights. Now, the reason why that was spoken of is because when we talked about the four or uh, the three aspects of a public form doctrine, I used parks and other things of that nature. But in Park, um, Parkingham, it referred to the context as the street or neighborhood. Because on Facebook, you're able to speak, share information. You're able to do other things that are allowed in a spatial forum. The problem is, no matter what it is you're doing on an innocent level, there are a lot of people that will attempt to do it in a sinister level. Regardless of what's being done, just because you're not thinking of it does not mean others aren't. And when we're talking about this, is identifying the most important places in a spatial sense for the exchange of these views. Now, a lot of times you're probably watching TV and you hear stuff about the dark web. Oh, the dark web. And then you look at even Facebook. And I hate to keep going back to them because it seems like I'm beating up on Facebook. Well, Facebook has its purposes. But at the same time, Facebook is one of the places that has a lot of what they call secret groups. Now, that's where you take the private sector of Facebook. I'm going to say that one more time. That's when you're taking your sector private. Because now you're, you're screening who's coming in. You're monitoring what's in there. And then you're not allowing a free exchange as far as what leaves. Because now it becomes work product. Because it's a part of something that's in a private space. It's not for everyone. The thing that happens is we have our children that we're posting pictures of. We have our children that are posting pictures. These Also, we have these pedophiles. We have these other predators that are out there. Because even there was a context of a place um, where they were doing sex trafficking online through Facebook, through other mediums. And these are the things that they were using, these private sectors in open areas, because people are not conscious of their surroundings. So when you're looking at what you're posting, what your children are posting, every time you post something, you're giving out a little bit more information about yourself. You're giving out a little bit more information about where you go. And the problem is, most of us are creatures of habit. And even in these spatial forms, even in these open air spaces, these are things that can become detrimental, although we are doing them in an innocent form. So just keep that in mind. We are not the only ones that are looking at our profiles. We are not the only ones that are looking at our children's profiles. And so when we're talking about cyberspace and social media in particular, extreme caution before suggesting that First Amendment provides scant protection for access to the vast networks of the Internet, the forces and directions of which are so new, so pertain, and so far-reaching that courts must be conscious that 
what they say today might be obsolete tomorrow. Now, one of the things I want you to get from that statement, because what's said today may be obsolete tomorrow. I want to give you the whole context of that statement because the biggest issue in anything that's being done is governmental interest. I'm going to say that one more time. Governmental interest. Because anything that the government has their say in, it must not burden substantially more speech than is necessary to further the government's legitimate interests. So whenever they're actually imploring their revenue generation tactics, it also has to have something that does not burden the citizens. I want to say it must not have something that burdens the citizens that they are working for. And to give you a kind of a broader sense of that, anybody that has been listening to me for any time, you understand I did three Roe v. Wade podcasts. Each one of the Roe v. Wade podcasts, I gave you something different. Because I gave you different ideals. I gave you different conversation, but I talked about the exact same case in very, very, very many contexts. Because the case itself, while they gave a conjective decision at the time, and most people thought it was just about abortion, listening to those podcasts, it gave you the broader view of what Roe v. Wade actually meant. Because the context of what was said then, what it means now, still holds true. And it's not just about abortion. So just keep that in mind. So even in this, while it seems like they're protecting pedophiles, because when I, that's actually what I start reading this crap for, because I was like, hold on, what? Who, what? The bazooka was who? I could not, I couldn't get it. So I had to read through the case through its entirety. And then I ran through a um, pull-up that I did from the Harvard Law Review website. And they had a very interesting doctrine that was written up on it. And as I read through it, I began to understand it more. Because I was like, okay, while I may not agree with why it was done, I understand the stance on it. Because at the end of the day, the protection of my child lies with me. I should not rely on anybody else to protect my child. Unfortunately, that is where we are in this country. The protection of our children belongs with the parents. Us as parents, we are liable for the protection of our children. That's pretty much the long and short of it. And social media is no different. Social media said the court provides the opportunity to access and share information on any subject, thus offering perhaps the most powerful mechanisms available to a private citizen to make his or her voice heard. Now, you heard me speak about the secret rooms on Facebook. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think Facebook is the only one that has secret rooms that are in a public area? I just, I just want, want to know that. Answer that. You can actually leave a comment on that. Because there are many sites that are out there. Facebook just happened to be one of the largest. Instagram, Snapchat, all these have secret rooms. They have secret access. Even Periscope has secret areas. Why? Because there are things that are not public. So just as you have these closet people that are, you know, building cars or whatever. You also have people that are doing unsavory things on these same exact platforms. And again, YouTube came out with a new child protection policy. They even give a course on how your children should shoot videos if they are going to have a YouTube channel. Why? Because children love to watch videos. And I saw my son one day. We, I, we were just sitting down chilling. And 
I looked down, and I thought he was watching TV. He's on his iPad. And I look, and I see that it's two hours long. And I'm like, dude, are you actually watching someone else play a video game? And he looked at me and said, yeah, pretty much. And he literally sat there. Every time I looked at him, he was watching the exact same game for more than two hours. And the things that people watch online no longer amazes me. Because when I saw him do that, I literally just looked, just kind of ran through YouTube just to see some of the stuff that's on there. Because I don't watch a whole lot of stuff that's on there. If it's not basketball, post moves, or doing something with music, I really don't. I, I might watch a, a how to edit a video type deal every now and then. I don't watch them as much anymore. But, you know, other than that, I'm not really on it. So, when I sat down and I looked at the different things that are out there, it amazed me. And it's like, this is actually one of the things that scares me the most. Because we are in the information age. We are in an age where everything is instant. Because, I want to tell you the truth. I had a 1996 Jeep Cherokee. The axle broke on my truck. No, anybody that had the Jeep Cherokee, you you know the axle broke on it. You know, that, I mean that it's just what they do. Yeah, I learned about Dana's and all this other stuff. But here's the funny part: I didn't take it to a mechanic. I went to YouTube. I literally learned how to change the axle on a brand new truck watching YouTube. The things that you will learn to do watching these videos is amazing. And then you're talking about YouTube has 400 hours being uploaded more than every minute. Like 400 hours of videos being uploaded per minute. So there are literally billions and billions of billions of videos online. So when you're talking about protecting your children, it's going through... The aspects of understanding what's happening. Now, I'm going to give you another story. Y'all know I love to get the stories. I got to give you one. But one of the things that actually when I read through the child protection policy and how to shoot videos, because I actually watched it, because they are dogged on protecting the children. Even California has a thing now. If you are in California, you upload a video and it's not labeled um, against children or anything like that, they will delete it and you're probably going to have somebody come knock on your door. There's a good chance of that. But I was watching this um, news story one day. And to me, it was amazing simply because it was this young lady. She was an enormous YouTuber. I say it was because I don't know if she's still shooting videos. But she had millions of followers. And all she did all day was talk about what she cooked, how she prepared her kids for school, you know, and all these good things. Now, here's the crazy part about that. She had more than 2,000 videos online. She had been doing this for maybe the past six, seven years. Now, what happened with this young woman was she would shoot videos down the street from her house. She shot videos directly in front of her house. And then she shot videos in damn near every room of her house. Now, in doing so, she put her entire family online. Why? Because everything that she was doing was innocent and it was enjoying, right? That's what brought her joy, made her happy. Well, part of the sinister shit that these people do is this young lady had somebody that had been following her for years. He created a map of her house simply from watching her videos. He found out where she lived at simply by watching her videos. Why? Because she shot multiple videos, not only at her house, but on her street, in front of her home, at her children's school. She did a lot of things that kind of brought her life into everybody else's life. One of her fans kidnapped her, ch- her son. He didn't harm her, 
but he kidnapped her son. He went to their house in the middle of the night. Why? Because unbeknownst to her, in one of her early videos, when they were installing the alarm, she put the code online accidentally. So he came right on into the house without setting off the alarm, walked right into the child's bedroom, grabbed the child's favorite toy, walked straight out the front door with the child. No one was the wise until the next morning when it was time to go to school. But I said that to say this. And this is also why I don't, I don't know if she's still doing videos or not. Because this is why YouTube put things like this in play. Because she's not the first person to have that happen to her. She's probably not going to be the last. And that's the sad part about this whole situation. But it's understanding that the Supreme Court, while they're protecting one, they're hindering others. But when it's done at the state level, if it's good for one, it's good for all, which is what makes it unconstitutional. And later on, you're going to hear me talk about things like extraordinary breath. And when I said that, B-R-E-A-D-T-H. You'll also hear me say overbreath, which is O-V-E-R-B-R-E-A-D-T-H. And the reason why is because that's the language that's used when you're talking about unconstitutional state statutes. Because when they're unconstitutional at the state level, they must agree with federal statutes in order for them to be law. I'll go into that because that also falls under equal protection, which also falls under due process. That's why when you hear about people applying certain statutes or anything like that, it's going through the 14th Amendment because it's enforced through the 14th Amendment because of the due process clause of the Supreme, um, Supreme Law of the Land, which is the Constitution of the United States. So, remember, equal protection, if it's good for one, it's good for all. And, again, being conscious of what's going on not only with yourself, it's going on with your children. Because, just like I said, seven in ten American adults use at least one social media network service. I just told you I'm on like 10. Yeah, I'm, I'm on a bunch of them. I, it actually may be more than that because I don't know if you would count the the different platforms my podcast is on. But, you know, if that's the case, I'm, over, I'm on over 30. But understanding that, and a lot of times, like I said, us as parents, we put our children on our public pages. So we're the first one that introduced the children to social media. And then there are children having their own pages as young as five years old. I want to say that one more time. There are children that have their own social media pages as young as five years old. They have no idea how to deal with people that are interacting with them. They have no idea what's going on, what's being said to them, what's being introduced to them. And there are people out here that we, as parents, have a duty to protect them from. And that's even whether it's in real life or on social media. And then we have to actually come to grips that the Internet substitutes for many public squares and people increasingly take their self-expression purchasing and activities of, of assembly and association to digital environments because even facebook now has watch parties like you ain't even got to go to the movies by yourself you can you don't even have to netflix and chill by yourself yep your girl don't want to come over you guy don't want to come over. cool we'll just have a watch party and just start watching videos you can do that with as many people you want to let in or as many people want to watch with you and it's those constructs of we're becoming more social antisocially because while we're being social with others, we're not doing it in the form of where we actually have to interact.
which why in a lot of places or in a lot of states, that's good that we're not interacting with a whole bunch of people. But it's also one of the bad things because one of the things that we all need is human contact. Because I'm an old school guy. I'd rather be close to you, look you in your eye, honestly, and say what I got to say, you say what you got to say, and then we know where each other stands at. That's not what we have in this new society. That's not what the protections are in this new society. We have to do it, again, not only in the personal realm. We have to do it now in the digital realm. We have to be um, cognizant of what's going on, not only with ourselves, but those digitally around us. Because, hell, there's even, there's even a time when you have a bunch of friends that come around and they're taking selfies everywhere. Like, I've actually found pictures of me online. I'm like, hold on, when the hell? Why did you, who took that one? You know, but it's funny because at the end of the day, while they're done innocently, there are things that are being put out unbeknownst to us a lot of times. Hell, what about you're walking by somebody in the mall and they're taking their stuff? Or you're at the ice cream shop or you're doing something. These are things that are used basically as trackers now. And even for some people, they're becoming markers. Because I don't know if you know this, but let's say you take a picture off your page. Take a picture of yourself off one of your pages. Google has an image search that'll go through millions of images online that closely match that image that you're putting in. And a lot of times, it will return thousands of images. Some that you put up, some that others put up. Some that you took, some that others took. Some known, often unbeknownst to you. But these are, are the things that we have to deal with, whether we want to or not. Because when you're talking about the public forum doctrine itself and how it's set up, it reaches metaphysical fora, such as public universities extending the doctrine beyond physical places or resources owned or exclusively controlled. Because when you're talking about places like Instagram, Facebook, hell, because at one point it was divine. Do it for the vine. Are we really doing it just for the vine? You got people out here running around. Every time something stupid happens, they want to yell world star. It doesn't only stay on world star. You have to understand what's being done because you're giving up your permissions to certain documents, certain images, certain activities when you're doing this. So understanding, being conscious of what's going on around you. And here's the crazier part, because I'm actually about to close up. But the vast majority of speech on the Internet today occurs within private places and spaces that are owned and regulated by private entities. Here's the problem with that. Once we speak it out, it becomes public because we're not sharing it with a closed section of people. We're sharing it with anyone who wants to see it hear it, view it, talk about it, comment on it, complain about it, want to donate to it. That's what we're doing. So even as a private entity, when you're putting it out and your page is not private, your child's page is not private, you're putting it out for the world. As a private entity, you're putting it out for public use. And that exercise significantly desecrate the censorship expression or terminate the service altogether because what you are failing to realize even in that little brief moment that while you're doing something and you're doing it with love it needs to be done with extreme caution because even the court spoke about in confronting the relationship between the First Amendment and the Internet. You can't regulate it 
because while you want to give it doors, the door they give you, most of us don't close. We would never go and knowingly live next to a pedophile and leave our windows open. We never knowingly go to an area where there's a group of pedophiles and allow our children to play or swim or do any of these other things. But that's what we're doing when we leave our pages public and it's not a business page. That's what we're doing when we're allowing our children to just post things randomly without monitoring the backgrounds that they have. Because the crazier part about it, a lot of times, most people don't even know portrait is saving their life. I want you to understand that. Portrait mode saves your life because it blurs your background. So if you're going to take selfies, take them in portrait mode. If you have an iPhone, it's great. If you have a note, that's even better. Because I want you to understand, you have to protect you, but you also have to protect the activities of your children. Because that's your responsibility. Because while the Supreme Court is protecting our human rights, we have to enforce those rights. We have to be the ones to exercise them. And we have to be the one to be vigilant and cautious and understand the public forum example demonstrates how the opinions, broad public space dicta, invite use of its context outside the facial confounds of the case. Because we're talking literally about a case where a pedophile or a sex offender, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to clean that up a little bit, but at the end of the day, it is what it is because whether he's a sex offender or a pedophile or whatever, it's still in the same realm. Why it may be different verbiage, why? It's in the same realm. It not only affects them, it affects all of us. That is why the Supreme Court protected the right. Because you have the right to make your page private. You have the right to switch your children's page to private. If you're leaving it public, you're telling people it's okay to not only look and comment and do all this other stupidness, but you're also saying that I am in control. I am aware of what I'm doing. And a lot of times we are not consciously aware of these things because, again, it's not that we don't care. It's because we don't think like them. We're not thinking sinister. We're not the ones going through and trying to manipulate and take apart things that are there. And we're not looking for those advantages to actually walk into something that we don't need to be in. And lastly, in addition to its effect on the public forum doctrine, Packingham's public space rhetoric could reinvigorate the argument that certain digital platforms qualify as state actors, pursuant to the exception to the state action doctrine in Marsh v. Alabama, 326 U.S. 501-1946. Now, I am not going to get deep into that, but I just want to give you pretty much the context of it, because the case that kind of used Marsh v. Alabama was the case where President Trump, he went out on his Twitter account and he was blocking people. Now, the reason it was overturned that he could not block people is because you're president and the people that you're blocking are your constituents. You don't have to like their opinions. You don't. But you can't not have them because you're on a public forum. His page is not private. Now, while you're maybe not the president, but you are still saying, hey, you can go ahead and post what you want on there because I'm going to post on there because the stupidest thing I hear people say all the time and it irritates me because while it's true, the context of what they're saying is true. I give you that. But what they're saying is stupid 
because I heard a young woman say, it's my MF and page. I'll post whatever I want. That's great. The problem is, are you conscious of what you're posting? Just because you're not thinking one way does not mean that you're posting in a means that allows the protection of those that are around you. You have to be cautious of not only yourself, you have to be vigilant for those that are around you and not able to protect themselves. Because I don't care if your child is 18, 20, 35. Well, 35, they got they pretty much on their own. But if they're below 20, I think you need to be kind of monitoring what's going on, asking questions, making sure they understand the things that go on around them. Because... I'm one of the people, I, I, I half-ass pay attention to a lot of stuff. And a lot of stuff doesn't really bother me. But I also have size. So, I, you know, it, I, I don't know if anybody wants the problems. But if they want them, I'll give them to them. Because, you know, I keep a couple ass whoopers with me. But everybody's not 6'4", 275. Everybody's not on go every time they walk somewhere. Everybody's not ready to go just because any. You know, nobody's just looking for an excuse. Everybody's not built that way. And I get it. That's cool. But I want us to actually now understand, while it may seem one way on the surface, cases that are being tried, cases that are being set forth, while they protect us, the original context may not be conducive or even one that we're comfortable with. Because I'm not even going to lie. Reading through this case, I was not comfortable with it. I was not comfortable with the language. I was not comfortable with a lot of it. But at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure I'm comfortable with protecting my children. I'm pretty sure at understanding the aspects of the case and what it was used for. And I'm pretty sure this is something that not only I need, but people, not everybody that listens to it is going to need it. But I'm pretty sure somebody else is going to need it. So if one other person needs this, if one other person applies this, if one other person takes note of this, then this is what I was supposed to do. Because me, as for me and my house, I'm going to protect that. That's me. That's what I do. That's what I'm put here for. Because... At the end of the day, all of us have a job to do. And the one thing that we do have is the protection of our children. So, be vigilant when you're online. Make sure you're posting in a safe manner. And make sure that your children are protected while they are online. And that's all I got today. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate my donors. Keep donating. Let's keep going. Let's keep growing. You know, it's Cash App, Google Pay, Apple Pay, Venmo, and Zill. So, I love you guys. We're going to keep going, and I will see you guys next week. And I hope you enjoy your turkey day. I'm going to show you how great I am.